Hello, I'm Malcolm Cox, and you found a recording from the Thames Valley Churches of Christ. This is the third in a series we're putting on right now called Inspiration in Lockdown, where we're looking at biblical characters in lockdown type situations and, and what kind of inspiration we can take from that for our current situation. So we've looked so far at the Apostle Paul in lockdown in Rome. We've looked at David, uh, Obi and Peju did that for us a couple of weeks ago. And this week we have Marlon and Anna talking about Hannah, which is a really interesting take on her life and her situation in the first book of Samuel. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn you over to Marlon and Anna and their really interesting insights about Hannah. Hi everyone, this is uh, Marlon and Anna. Hope you're well. It's Sunday evening. Um, we were asked to record a class uh, just for the series that we're busy working on at the moment, which is Inspiration in Lockdown series. And uh, the character that we were totally inspired with was Hannah. Uh, Hannah was someone that experienced lockdown. One could say she was experiencing a cultural lockdown, a physical lockdown, an emotional lockdown. She was a desperate woman who radically changed her life uh, through prayer. And um, hopefully you could spend a couple of minutes with us as we read these passages and um, just get totally inspired by how God worked with her and how she worked with God to ultimately unlock all the challenges that she was facing. So if you would mind turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel, and we'll be reading there from chapter 1 from verse 3 to 27. So I will be reading for us um, from verse 3. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, 
then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Alkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and ephah of flour and the skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord. There. Amen. What an encouraging story. Mm. Um, the thing that sort of stood out for me in this passage was looking how Hannah had sort of approached this lockdown one step at a time, ultimately being sorrowful. We get a sense of her response and ultimately where she looks for um, saving, ultimately who her savior would be. And... Um, there's a backdrop of cultural lockdown and oppression um, in the ancient times that Hannah lived in. And this was more specifically about the lockdown of her womb and the fact that she couldn't have children and the stigma that was attached to that. Um, children were very important to have back in that time. Um, more specifically, um, to have children meant it would be 
going better economically uh, for you as an individual, you'd, you'd have more money. You would have a bigger family business. It also meant security. You know, it was almost a type of insurance policy, a good pension, um, a granny flat, a permanent granny flat in your kid's house that you knew you could live um, at in your old age. You also, from a society perspective, the woman would be seen to be contributing um, to, you know, the political status and, you know, adding to the military, you know, especially if they had sons. Um, in those days, as we read through the scriptures, there were many battles between nations and um, these nations would be fearsome and clearly the more children you had, the bigger your nation would be and the, the less insecure you would be. So these are the types of things that Hannah might have faced, the pressures. And clearly, you know, as Anna read in, um, in the passage specifically, if you look at um, from verse 6, it says, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on for year after year after year. So we could see the lockdown, one, the physical lockdown and, um, and the constant provoking, this cultural lockdown. This, this is what culture says. And you could see how Hannah could feel oppressed and when I read this, you could sort of think, well, this was quite an oppressive culture. You know, when you think of the, maybe the Middle East, you could think women's rights and um, didn't have many rights. And, mm. But what we see today is the same type of cultural oppression and lockdown that we could face. You know, we read of stories of, um, you know, uh, pre-teens and teens and young women self-harming and um, having eating disorders. You know, society and culture tells us that looks matter, education matters, accomplishments matter, having money matters. And whether you're a female or a male, there's this constant cultural lockdown that you might feel in and um, we feel trapped. Um, I'll just ask Anna to, to give some, uh, some of her perspectives further in that passage. Yeah, I think um, it is very easy, isn't it, to, to think that, oh, this is long ago, but um, we can definitely, we can definitely see the same pressures we're facing and even even as as we go along into verse eight um you know the the, the pressures don't stop but it sort of it takes a different form because um even her husband is saying to her hannah why are you weeping why did you eat um you know don't i mean more to you than 10 sons and i think um uh all wives reading this passage will probably be sort of, you know, chuckling. It, it, it's, 
it's just so out of place that this this encouragement that he's he's trying to offer um and you know as we would say bless him he he is probably trying to be really sensitive but it's not it's not making a difference now interestingly um a lot of our a lot of our uh, class actually um we have to give credit to a wonderful podcast by Timothy Keller uh on prayer and um Timothy Keller's uh, also um just mentioned uh one of the very famous um Hebrew um and Middle Eastern uh literature uh commentaries um talks about how in Hebrew narratives you have sort of the sense of a character responding to voices um talking to him so whether it's god's voice or another character in the story or um whatever the case might be and we see here a, a clear example of hannah having two voices uh, addressing her we have the the voice of culture which is which is penina's voice and then you have the other voice which is her husband's voice saying oh but but i can offer you that that security i can offer you the the freedom from your lockdown just focus on me i'm going to be the encouragement um and interestingly uh you know as as uh, timothy keller also points out she doesn't actually respond to either of these two and this is what makes hana such an inspiration um to me uh, she's she's such a a hero of faith in this sense because she is she is not responding um to these offers of security and of of salvation or or freedom out of her lockdown she does something completely different it says there in verse 9 once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh Hannah stood up now i don't know about you but in the past i've read this sentence and i just thought how incredibly random she stood up okay and you know but of course again knowing the original hebrew text that that is just an idiom just as we would maybe say something like she put her foot down and in fact that is what she did she just decided no i am going to say no to these voices i'm going to say no to you know my life just carrying on and on every year after year and and having this emotional lockdown i'm going to do something radical i'm going to stand up you know and and as readers of this text you know and especially the first time one would read this text you might think okay what is it going to be you know what's she going to do is she going to do something incredible and of course she prays you know the radical thing that hannah does is praying to god and she doesn't just pray you know it says in verse 10 in bitterness of soul hannah wept much and prayed to the lord and then she makes a vow and she and she prays you know and then it it's it's quite remarkable because it doesn't end there you would think okay she's she's now completely poured out her heart she's praying she's making this wonderful move of you know going from passive to active 
But then in verse 12, we have Eli also misunderstanding her. And you almost want to say it's a third voice in the mix because, you know, he puts pressure on her and he doesn't understand and he accuses her of being drunk. You know, I wonder if sometimes when we are in an emotional lockdown and we're in that difficult place of, of sorrow and frustration, where the feeling misunderstood doesn't make it even worse. You know, so often in my own life, um, even within the church, which is a, a safe and, and special society and, and, and you know, fellowship, um, I've often felt misunderstood. And I, and I think the longer you're a Christian, probably the more occasions you can think of that you feel misunderstood. It's easy then to get into a vicious cycle where we, we have a conflict with a brother or sister, we feel misunderstood, we pull away and we feel isolated and the lockdown continues. You know, Hannah does not handle Eli's accusation um, like that at all. She's not allowing that lockdown to get into a vicious cycle. Yeah, I'll pass on to you again, Marlon, just to take it from there. What, what does she actually do? Yeah, what is really interesting is when you sort of first read the passage, and um, for most of you who know, uh, I'm in sales, so I could sort of get a sense that was Hannah, is she actually bargaining with God? Like, hey, Lord, it, you know, I'm really desperate right now. If, if, you, if you give me a kid, I'll, he can go into ministry. Um, but upon... Upon closer inspection, you realize how remarkable this woman is and how selfless this prayer that she, pray, she prays. Um, you know, in reality, if you follow her prayer, usually when you pray for something, you pray for something, you get what you pray for. And then you are at peace because, you know, the Lord answered it. But if you look at the pattern of her prayer, she prays, she gets the peace, and then she gets the pregnancy. And there's a difference. If you look in verse 18, it says, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went away and ate something and her face was no longer downcast, meaning she was already at peace. Mm. She was already set free. She was already out of her lockdown. And some further context based on the uh, cultural pressures that I mentioned early on is the fact that if, if she had the wrong motives, and she wanted to get a son for all the reasons I mentioned, this prayer totally nullifies and releases her from all of those, what I would refer to as social or emotional payoffs that you would get to have a child. So for example, um, out of the 12 tribes of Israel, 
there was a tribe which is the Levites, and the Levites firstly weren't allowed to own any assets or land. They lived a pretty, um, you know, uh, asset-free life and and lived near the the tabernacle. And the people that volunteered to serve these Levites were the Nazarites, and that's what that's what. Um, Hannah prays and says, I'll give my son up to be a Nazarite uh, who has even less privileges than <laughs> the Levites, which means her son wouldn't be able to just learn Elkanah's trade and take over the family business and establish a financial security um, on the basis that she he wouldn't be with her physically and um, she couldn't show him off in the marketplace like mm. all the mothers would do, like talk about their children. She couldn't get the emotional payoff, you know, for those who are parents on this call, being able to hug and get those kisses and that emotional support. Her prayer was literally, Lord, all my life, I wanted a child for me. But now, Lord, I want to have a child for you. And whatever you want, I'm okay with. Mm -hmm. And this is remarkable for us to learn as Christians, is to know that we can be free before a prayer is answered. Lots of times we pray and feel like we will only be out of lockdown when the prayer is answered and we spend time and time in these vicious circles. You know, Hannah's prayer is inspirational. It's so inspirational, it became part of Mary's prayer when she prayed to the Lord when she conceived Jesus. Mm. This is truly, truly encouraging. And I want us to really think about that. Think about how many times do you pray and get peace only once the, you've received the answer. Because this is totally controversial. She's saying, I, I, I got the peace and, and was willing for the answer to be whatever it is. And I don't know what it is for you right now, whoever's listening. What is it that's causing the lockdown? And could you be inspired by Hannah to go and get that peace in the prayer without your prayer being answered. Mm. And I was just going to read a part of the prayer. Yes. Um, I will be reading from verse 6, uh, chapter 2. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. 
you know, I'd just like to, to close off here by, by saying, you know, we might be waiting for a physical lockdown to end, but as Marlon was saying, we can, we can be free of our lockdowns um, before the physical lockdown ends if we look to the Lord, uh, as Hannah looked to the Lord. She realized that he was the one. He was the one who was going to, you know, raise people up and bring people down. And, um, you know, she realized that the foundations of the earth belong to him. But more importantly, she realized that she needed to look to God as her savior. He was going to be the one to free her. Not people, not society, not status, not anything else but the Lord. You know, when we are when we are at our weakest, as we see from Hannah's prayer, God is at his strongest. And let's let's really take encouragement from, from that reminder. As it says in 2 Corinthians 12, when we are weak, we are strong. Amen. Well, hopefully you found that useful. Just wanted to encourage you to really think about what are some of the things that have been going on in your life year after year after year? Who's your provoker? What are they provoking you about? And maybe draw some encouragement from how Hannah dealt with it, how she was honest with her feelings and became deeply sorrowful, but then established a real motivation to take charge of her situation and, and ultimately surrender her situation totally to God in prayer. We've got the same savior. Hannah's solution is our solution. Mm. Let's just take this uh, discussion to God and close in prayer. Dear Lord, Father God, thank you so much, Lord, that you are the answer to any lockdown. Uh, God, freedom is what we have as Christians. Help us, God, to surrender to you. Thank you, Lord, that although we can enjoy many cultures, that as Christians, that we have our identity um, set in you, that you are the lifter of our heads, the comforter of our souls. Thank you, God, for understanding us. Thank you that we never have to feel misunderstood with you. Help us, God, to get through this trying period. And thank you for this inspirational woman in the Bible. 
We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the class. Thank you again to Marlon and Anna. Thank you for putting aside all the time and effort to put this recording together to help us. Uh, whatever you took out from that, make sure to share it with your friends. And if you have any comments, do leave them wherever you're here or see this recording. If you'd like to find out more information about our churches, then go to tvcoc.org and you'll be able to contact us and connect with us from there. There is another class coming. That'll come out in two weeks' time. But until then, I hope you find some inspiration in lockdown right now. Take care and God bless. Thank you.